Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Edit audio. So you've heard me talk about Tom, my former boss, about a million times. I get it. We're attached at the hip. It's true. But now I want to tell you about that one entire year where we were wondering if we were going to get laid off. So I'm joking about Tom and I as a package deal, but in reality, we were. I was his executive assistant, and at that level, when the boss goes, uh, generally speaking, the assistant goes too. We spent all kinds of time looking for signs from the bigwigs above. They wouldn't end your contract if they had you working on next year's budget, would they? Uh, turns out they would. The day we got the news... I experienced so many feelings and they were all just like coming on top of each other. Like, will anyone hire me again? Will I ever have a setup that works for me like this? I I, I have been doing this job for 19 years. Do I even have a resume? Will I remember how to interview? Am I going to have to take a salary cut? The panic was real. The fear was real. And I'll tell you what, the next steps were very unclear. Hello, everyone. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but not in an NPR way. It's more like we're at the bar, having cocktails, getting into your business sort of way. It's it's giving drunk NPR. Oh, and producer Steph is here, too. Hello. Today we chat, well, what to do after being laid off. Hello, everyone. Uh, Today, we have a super exciting interview for you. Today's guest, Sinead, reached out right after she found out that she was about to be laid off. Holy moly. And let me tell you, for her, this layoff, it triggered a cascade of life changes that included having to move to another country. And in this conversation, we just, we really get into how to deal with both the feelings that come up after a life shift that isn't necessarily on your timetable, but also how to figure out what comes next. So I say like, let's bring on the chat. Hello everyone. I'm Sinead Murphy. I think the Murphy uh, speaks to my Irish ancestry. (laughs) I am a mother, a wife, a sister an aunt, a professional. I'm a fan of the show. I always kind of had this interest in people you've had on talking about careers. We all know there's been a lot of layoffs globally. 
Um, and I found myself, you know, caught up in that. So I'm I'm going through the process of of a layoff. And it was interesting because it throws up a lot on your life. It makes you question so much. So any, any way I can get a little bit of guidance or help. And sometimes you get so caught up in your own head that it's nice to have people probe your thinking. And yeah, it often it. forces you to think bigger. Yeah. And I'm, I'm up for that because I've been in my own head for so long that I'm like, let me out. Let me out. <laughs> That's like the story of my life. Let me out. <laughs> You know, I love how you said putting the bits together and probing it like with someone else. Because I do think that like being caught up in a layoff, you're in a work transition. You know, whenever it's not your choice, like even if you were going to leave, but they told you you had to leave two days earlier, the whole perspective on the thing changes because emotions can come in about like, why did they choose me? Like money conversations come in because it wasn't on the deadline I wanted to. And then what's next? That's a whole soup to be in, in your head alone. So I am so glad you reached out. Now, there's always like anything, there's always an element of sort of nervousness because those blind spots can invite questions that you're like, oh, I hadn't thought of that or, oh, I don't know. And I think as well, as I said, I'm Irish. So there's an Irish female thing about me that's like, it's Catholic Ireland. It's like you default to apologetic. And when you're going through, yeah, I find that and I've discussed this a lot with my friends. So when you're going through a big life change, you're like, okay, I got to think differently from how I've historically maybe approached things because this takes a new mindset. This, This takes me to think and act differently to move out of something that is a bit kind of all over the place. Yeah. Well, I want to take it back a little bit. So like we've known each other for a number of years, but like really tangentially, we met hiking Machu Picchu and you were so hilarious. And, and, and we like hit it off. And of course you were like seven miles in front of me on all the hiking portions, but like Uh. the drinking, the drinking after, I feel like I really (laughs) caught up to you in the club (laughs) before I got Montezuma's revenge. Um, But at that time, weren't you a nurse? Yes. I was a nurse and I pivoted career entirely. Um, I'm going to say about 12 years ago. Okay. I didn't want to be a nurse. It wasn't like, yay, I'm going to be a nurse. This is my dream. There was no people (laughs) medically in my family. And honestly, this is the thing I kind of mentioned. A lot of like going to school, like the courses or options that were available, they weren't available to female. I, I wanted to do like mechanical drawing. I wanted to do these type of like creative things. But it's like, no, kind of you're a girl. So it's only for boys. Really? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, Like oh. that recently? Yeah. Wow. The knock on effect then is when it comes to making the choices after you're like, well, I wasn't gearing up towards a decision. I wasn't gearing up towards a, a career trajectory. Yeah. So it was like, well. Sure, you're a nice girl. So how about nursing or social work or something like that? Some kind of traditional female roles. And I was like, oh, all right. Now, I don't regret it. I loved it. And I I was good at it. I was crap at it to start. Like my first day someone died, like they (gasps) died behind a curtain when I was taking their blood pressure. I was like, stethoscope on my ear, and then nothing. I was like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? Like hitting the buzzer, like anyone with more experience than me, I think he's dead. Hello? That's awful. And the the senior nurse, I was like, and she was like, shh, like I'm busy. And I was like, oh, okay. So you stand there like shifting from foot to foot. And then I was like, no, no, hello. Like, and she was like, please wait. 
And I was like, but he's dead. And then it obviously got better after that. I hope so. Yeah. And I le- I learned an awful lot about people, people skills, leadership skills, all those type of things. Um, but I was always interested in education. I was always in college doing something. Yeah. So I was kind of probably knowingly and unknowingly building to something. Yeah. I often like went off traveling around the world and I came back and my boss at the time wanted me to do a master's in research in nursing models. And I was like, oh, Jesus, no, no. <laughs> You're like, I don't think so. No. no, thank you. No. So it propelled me into, I was planning to study maybe the next year. So I just did a blind panic of master's degrees and I found one. Yeah. And then I moved into big global companies like, you know, the pharma and the tech and stuff like that. So I work in the learning and talent development realm. And it, it, it it's my own love of education, but I have, I always love people. I like to be with yeah. people. Like that's where my skill set really lies in the people side of stuff. And that's what I enjoy most. So, yeah, it gives me like lots of flexibility as I as I start to move forward now. I'm not confined to any one industry. I'm like, you yeah. want to learn? Let me help. You know what's so interesting about what you did in this pivot, and I think this may come in handy later for you, is you you listen to your gut instinct. Like you could feel like someone said to you, I could see you doing this, probably because you were very good at what you were doing. And you were like, oh God, that I don't want to, that's not for me. And so instead of just doing it because there was like some positive reinforcement and possibly more money or like a new broader path, you were like, I'm going to go find a different path. And you just researched and found something that spoke to you. That's humongous. So you yeah. already kind of know how to do the career pivot. That's it. Like, and I've been reflecting on this a lot because you're like, okay, what what do I do now? Like, what are the next steps? And the reality of working in big global companies is mm-hmm. that you have people all over the world and people move. There's great mobility with tech companies. Yeah. So we, like everyone, we came out of the pandemic um, and I was like itching. I had like a young child in the pan, I still have. I still have a young. I still have a child. <laughs> he's still he's, there. He's older. He's still there. He's still there. Yeah. Um. But like a lot of people, I felt my world just shriveled. Yeah. I worked from home. He mm-hmm. like he was only a year and a half, and I was literally going a bit stir crazy. I was yeah. like, I need to get out. And I I became aware that we li- we live in a lovely neighborhood. We live in a lovely house. But I was like, this is very safe. It's a white middle class neighborhood that we yeah. live in. And the world shrank even smaller after the pandemic. So I was like, I want to show them more. So it sounds ridiculous, but we are, our kitchen is in the middle of our house and it's a bit dark. So we looked at getting a big kitchen renovation job done. But post-pandemic, the prices shot up everywhere. So we got a yep. huge quote. So we decided to go and relocate to Barcelona for a while instead. So you're like, I can get a new kitchen or I can move to Barcelona. <laughs> And, and you go, I'm Barcelona. going to Barcelona. I'm going to uproot yeah. the family. Well, and yeah. by the way, post-pandemic, you could do that, I'm assuming, because yeah. you could work remotely. Yeah. And I suppose what that does sometimes, that like you see that in, in global companies, like you have a lot of mobility. Yeah. So sometimes when like layoffs can hit, you find people then, oh, I'm not in my regular country. So you've got right. a relocation issue and stuff like that. So that's where it becomes... It becomes a big thing then because you're like, you got to make big decisions. So is that what happened for you? You're like in Barcelona, the layoff happens. And now you're like, I've got to figure out 
if I look for a job here or move home yeah. or is that what yeah. happened? Yeah. And for, for us, like our son was, was, it was at the cusp of starting school. So you're right. like, okay. Right. So you're making big decisions when everything is very uncertain. Sure. Great, great so time to be making big is, decisions. Yeah. Feels really yes. good. Your head is spinning. You've got financial considerations, your kid, where you live. Like, I'm not going to lie, my head churned. I was like, you don't sleep very well. You don't eat very well. You don't exercise. Yeah. All of these, basically, stress. It's like a, a cycle of stress. So trying to make those big decisions when you're in that space is like, mm. oh, this is a lot to, to sort of figure out. So talk to me about the stability factor of your family unit. Were you the breadwinner? Was it equal? Could you just chill for a minute? Yeah, so it's interesting because my husband, like his background is psychology. So he works with um, adults with autism. Mm. So obviously you can't do that remotely. <laughs> hey, I do like over a computer. <laughs> so he he took leave of absence from his job. So yeah, we we were the, the one income family then for that period. So okay. it does add that layer of like, okay, we of shit. We can't <laughs> afford to and you know, honestly, yeah, shit like with all caps, like all yeah. caps shit every day, twenty-four-seven. Um and I think if it was just the two of us, we'd have taken our chances and farted around for a while. But if you yeah. got a small person, you're like, okay. It there does change everything. It does change yeah. everything because it's like yeah. there's suddenly the weight of someone else is is there. And that's that's a lot. All right. Now, do you have feelings about the moving home? Or are you like, like, was your adventure cut short? Or are you too panicked about the the global family like crisis to even get to that? So had we known in advance of going, what would have happened when we got there? We wouldn't mm. have gone. Right. But having gone there and experienced what we experienced, it was this lesson in like, don't wait for everything to line up and don't wait for security. Because if that's the case, you'll never do anything. Yeah. But when we did go home, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I cried for days. I yeah. just was like, I wasn't ready. And when we did get home, it hit me. <sighs> There's a lot of emotions that go with it. And yeah. when I got home, I was like, okay, like, I'm quite a realist. I'm, I like, I don't jump into positivity for the sake of it or force <laughs> myself into that way because it's, it doesn't work for me. Like I'm, yeah. I grew up like there's like of a family of six working parents, like you're practical. There ain't yeah. no time for a big yeah. drama. There's a natural kind of grieving for a life you'd yeah. built Yep. Like I, I can't look at many pictures yet of Barcelona because yeah. I actually feel a physical ache. I'm like, oh God, I want to be there. So I know I have a bit of processing to do about leaving. Yeah. But there's just a lot of practical stuff to be done. Yeah. So it just did my whinging for a while and I still dabble in it every now and again. I'm like, well, I, but I think, I think that you're bringing up something that's really important is that you are acknowledging two things. One, you are hurt and you're like upset and you're sad and you're grieving, but then you're also acknowledging that life has to keep moving. But so what I hear is like, you're allowing yourself to feel things, but you're not laying down and, and dying. You're, you're like, you're still moving forward. And I think that's a really great space. Uh, I mean... I'm in a very privileged situation. I get that. Like, I, I we got to come home to our house. My husband's gone back to, to work. My son has started school. Um, but I'm going to be grateful because I think if you, you repress all these emotions, they're going to come back and bite you in the arse yeah. somewhere down the line. 
It's a case of just balancing the reality with going forward. So it's like, what's the next steps? What do I do? This urge to rush out and get a job. Like, I got to start working very quickly because I've always done that. And I'm like, yeah. just cool the jets. Like, let's think about what's going to happen here. Like, the one thing my parents gave all of us uniformly is a work ethic. You work mm-hmm. hard. All my siblings are phenomenal. My parents were phenomenal. I, I, I don't believe that I'm entitled to stuff. I'm like, fine, I'll work for it. How far out are you from knowing about the layoff, um, having to move? Can you give us that that time frame? Because I think that will inform where you are right now. Um, so it's been a couple of months now. In Europe, you've got like a longer period, like the consultation and garden leave and et cetera, et cetera. So I'm coming to the end of all of that and moved home like a couple of weeks. Now we're only home like a, a few weeks how long do you have severance for? Like, how long do you know, like, what your your sums are, how long you can go? Like, because I think that's important information for you. Yeah, I mean, it it, it takes me um, comfortably into, you know, into next year. Okay, okay, great. And it's so funny because I talk to my friends and they're like, what are you even asking this question <laughs> for? Why would you not take the time? And I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't I take? And I don't know whether it's that stupid guilt. I should be working. I should be working. Like that I have to unpack. I suspect it's a lot of it. Yeah. Like it's that it's that thing where you're like, okay, let's just reevaluate where we are career wise. Like Mm -hmm. this is it's forced on you, but that's not a bad thing. So I found a really good course that I was like, I'd love to do that. So I applied and I just actually just today I got notification that I've been provisionally accepted. So I'm like, bingo. Amazing. This will give me the sort of the official bit of my career that I'm missing that will allow me then to to go forward in a certain direction and not be grabbing a job for. Yes. And again, I know that's that's kind of privilege. And I have an appointment next week for this phenomenal like um executive coach for women sort of in leadership and yeah it's just kind of go okay what can I do to just and that's taken a lot for me to do that is just to go calmly exercise properly sleep properly put the steps in place I sound so like calm and wise but it took a long time no okay but so but I but I want to like highlight something that you're doing that's so wonderful because it is it is like stages of grief. Like you've got shock. You've got like, holy fuck, like, what am I going to do? The panic. And you have the whole feeling side of it. And your routine has been ripped away and maybe even, dare I say it, purpose. And so like that beginning, I think you have to. And again, we're both acknowledging we're speaking from incredibly privileged places. Mm-hmm. But like if you have that privilege the first thing you got to do is like, just calm your shit down. And it sounds like you've been doing that. Like you, I don't know if you noticed, but you literally tilted your head when you said that, because it was like, like you were seeing it from a completely different perspective. And that's so wonderful that you're allowing that. And, and you allowed yourself the time to do all that before saying, okay, uh, I got to take a class in season two with Dylan Cuvion, um, he was just panic applying for jobs and he wasn't getting responses. And I, I know him, he's a fantastic worker and he's like amiable and adorable and a great career. And I suspect it was because everyone could feel his panic, you know, so you're not doing yourself any, any favors by doing that, but 
I hope you're acknowledging that you allowed yourself to move through this first phase into the second part and that you are already starting, like you don't need me or Steph because you are already starting to dial into the thing that you know works for you, which is looking at a little bit of education or a little purpose or looking a little further out at what's next for you. Like you are just innately doing these things. And I think that's incredible. It's lovely to hear it. You're going to get all Irish on me and be like, no, thank you. No, no, thank you. Did you see my accent? How bad is that? God, it's terrible. (laughs) But just when you were saying about the panic application, the other negative side to that and the damaging side is like the rejections. When you're vulnerable already, you're piling it on yourself. You're just like, oh, or the ghosting. You're like, what? Just you contacted me, you yeah. contacted me, and then you go like, what? stop, yeah. stop, that type of thing. But yeah, when you don't put yourself in harm's way, you're you're minimizing the risk of like chipping away your own mental health when it may not be great to start with. You're just yeah, like, yeah. okay, just stop putting myself in these vulnerable situations. That's not personal. Yeah. They're not personal rejections, but they feel it when you're already feeling yeah. low. I said it already, but I'm going to say it again. Like, I don't know that you need us. I almost feel like part of your work is just going to be to write down all the fucking fantastic things that you're doing, have it near you. So when you have a down day during the process, because the process is of getting your next thing, but that you have that place of going back and being like, right, right. I am smart. Look what I've already done. Look what I'm doing. Look at how I'm navigating this. Like, I will be okay. Like, I don't know. I had a therapist once who was like, whenever you say you always or you never, it means you're in the past. And so it's like, if you're saying like triggery words of like, I'm never going to get a job or this isn't going to sort out or like when you're making blanket declarative sentences about I should be working, then you're likely triggered and you're in the past because you're not in what you're currently doing. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, that's a really yeah, that's a really good point. When you trigger something in yourself that puts you backwards. Yeah, because you're you're like when I'm triggered in fear around the workplace, it's always money, and it's always because I was a poor kid and I saw my mom crying all the time. That's the yeah. question I have because for me, like with Robin's story, I'm like, okay, the root fear I understand, like the fear that comes from like your past or your childhood or whatever, the thing that's like motivating you to like be scrappy and move from like a place of anxiety, I understand. But I don't know what your root fear is. (laughs) Do you feel like you know that? My root fear. It's it's shifting. If you had asked me this 10 years ago, right, I would have had a very different answer. It's even in a couple of weeks, it shifted. I was afraid I'm never going to get a job. We're hearing about all like these hundreds of thousands of layoffs and the competition for jobs and so on. And I did. I I, I wallowed in that for a while. I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get it. Um, yeah. But the big thing is like any fear that you have, for me, it's very much allayed by surrounding myself with, with good people. That to mm. me has been their survival. I'm... If I'm in a bit of a crisis thing, I can get a bit quiet. I'll go off and think to myself like and I'll just kind of retreat somewhat. But I have a phenomenal network of friends and family. And I, despite like, as I was talking about earlier, like limited options kind of growing up, I grew up with a phenomenal mother in terms of progressive thinking and my aunts. My aunts, they're entrepreneurs, they're businesswomen, they just 
broke so many molds. So I've always had that influence growing up. So I know I'm going off the point, Steph, like in my mind, I'm asking like, what is my fear? It's shifting. It was, I'm never going to work again. But I've opted to push through that and kind of go, okay, take the few months without the job. Yeah. Because I feel if I do that, I'm better positioned to take the right job next. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's a leap of faith. Yes. And you, and you've got a support system with friends and with your husband, and that's fantastic for that. But I, I think to push it on what Steph's saying a little bit, because I think her question is good. And and while you did say it lovely, you did skirt it a bit. So I am going to yeah. say, I think there might be a little bit of work to be done there. I did something where they, and I don't know if this actually works, but they were like, put the question in your head before you go to bed as like a meditation of like, you know, what is it I'm scared of? And you ask yourself that question. It's the last thing you do, you go to bed and you wake up and see what comes to you. But like maybe just a, a whole like, smorgasbord of those kinds of options of things to just look into that a little bit. And maybe even the looking into it might just move you through it. Like seeing where yeah. you're stuck. I, I also think, and I don't know how to articulate it because I don't know you. So tell me how you feel, but there's either like an avoidance of like addressing the scary bits or a deflecting maybe because I, I, mm. I find that like when we're asking you like a question, you know, like I'm like, what's your biggest fear? You're like, I have a great support network. Like you're not allowing <laughs> yourself to take up the space yeah. of like being hurt or like sad and scared. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I, I often listen to like some of your your questions, Steph, and other podcasts and I'm like, Oh, she asks good questions. Not that you don't draw them. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. She does ask really good questions. She does, yeah. Um, no, it is. Like, it's definitely true. And even, like, when you asked it, yeah, I was, like, I was skirting with a big, massive floral skirt doing yeah. twirls just to, <laughs> it's, I, I need to sit with it. And that's what I was kind of saying. Or there's a process. And now it feels like my brain is like, okay, now start yeah. So this is really good timing because it's like you you're in a point where you're kind of going, OK, there's a lot of practical stuff to do to move and schools and just survive a day. But yeah, you get to a stage where you're like, OK, it's time to sit with yourself. And so this is the nudge I needed to. Well, and you know what's really interesting when you listen back to this, when you started, you only speak in you statements, you, you get to a place you, and like now you're skirting into sometimes saying I, and I, the I okay. is where this was, where this lives because it's the, it's like the difference between saying like, yeah, you know, people, people struggle sometimes when they're laid off and saying, I am struggling because I was laid off. Like those, the weight of those two statements is night and day. God, I didn't even notice that. That's obviously so deep rooted. And yet, as you say, like Steph, it's, it's, it's probably a defense thing. I know, like, I know I struggled. I really struggled for, I was like, I can't think straight. I can't. And then you don't sleep properly. So you're tired and you still have a child. So you're still going. So yeah. it's like, it's like holding your breath underwater for so long and then yeah. you come up and you're like, <gasps> yeah, it's all settling now. So, yeah, now's the time to because I, I, I want to make good choices. I want. Yeah, I was forced into this situation, but it's not all bad. 
there's a lot in the unknown that I'm figuring out that I'm actually excited about now. And it's taken yeah. a long time to get excited. But it would help if I had more clarity in my mind about yeah. what's driving what. Well, it's just like help. if you can get to the point where you quiet that voice, the fear, or like you make friends with it and you go, I know you're there. I know I'm here. But can you just take a nap while I move over into yeah. this exploration space? Because you are doing many wonderful things and you are listening to yourself, but like the freedom that'll come from like at the same time, acknowledging how you feel, I think is really important. Yeah. And there's no part of me that thinks you're not going to do fantastic. Zero, like zero, like you're all the things. So there's no part of me that thinks like, Ooh, I don't know how this is going to shake out. <laughs> so it's, so it's like, so it's like, let us be that voice that stands there for you and says that and do what you need to do to remind yourself of that, that it is all going to be okay for you so that you can move through it. See, it's lovely to have that voice in chorus with the voice that challenges you to go deeper. Cause it's like, okay. You've got your armbands on, so off you go. Go in the yeah. choppy water. Yes. You're not going to drown. Yes. But don't be afraid to go in the choppy water. And, that and just takes... say out loud, I'm scared to go in the choppy water. And yeah. then go in the choppy water anyway. I just had an idea then as you say that, because I, I try at night to write down three things I'm grateful for. Amazing. But just as you're talking there. But I think what I'm also going to try and do is write down three things I'm afraid of or three things that are real so that I can balance because you can go, I'm grateful for this. And I, and as you say, it's to the point of like, it can ignore it because you're like, I have to be grateful. But you're just pushing the yeah. the shit stuff down and that, that, that stuff comes back at you at but some because, point. Because three is my favorite number, I want to add one more set of threes. So you have three set of threes. I want you to write down three things you did that were good that are moving you forward. And they can be emotional. They can be, uh, you know, I wrote a great paper. They can be, I showed up for my son today. But they can also be like, I researched this. I, I had a great interview. I want you to add that as well, because I think then you're hitting like all sides of it. You're dealing with the emotional. You're dealing with acknowledging all the great work you're doing. And then you're talking about your fears. Like that's a, a lovely, well-rounded list. It is, isn't it? I also think it's not wrong. Like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel silly with like gratitude things. For example, I just broke my leg really badly and I've been like healing through that. Ah. And so now I'm like, I'm grateful that I'm moving my body. But really, like, I'm also pissed off that like I broke my leg and like I can't run and like all this other stuff, you know? And like in those moments saying yeah. I'm grateful for my like movement of my body, I'm like, yes, I am. But also there's more, you know? And like, yeah. Both of those things can be true. So like you can still be like upset about one thing, but grateful for another part of it or grateful for what the upsetness brings you. Um, yeah. And so normally I would yeah. not recommend telling someone to write down three things they're sad about or scared about. But like, I do think it's helpful for It's helpful for me. So hopefully it's helpful. Yeah. No, I, I do. Like, I think the world went through this. It seemed anyway, like everywhere. And what emerged was the talk of the toxic positivity and it was like, there was almost a push going, enough. Yeah. And I was like, enough of this. Like, yeah. let's get real. Can we just be real? Which is perceived as a lack of positive thinking or gratitude and all the rest. You're like, no, there, there's, there's a flip side to it all. Yeah. It's not all dark and it's not all light. It yeah. shifts at times. So, yeah. And I, I do this a lot with my son. Like I, I try and like sit with him when he's in the scared stuff or the sad stuff. And I'm like, 
talk to me about it. Tell me all about it. Because it normalizes it. I took this one coursework where they talked about, I had to start each day um, meditating on what we wanted our life to look like. This whole like, you know, you had to write down like, where would I be here? And what would this look like? And then you had to write what your life really was like. And then you were always like, oh, well, that's not that. And I don't have that. And they were like, sit with the the juxtaposition of those two things. That is what propels you forward. And I've I've thought about that so many times. Like you said, it's not all dark. And it's not all light, but we have to have those two things coexisting yeah. so that we can move forward. That's why I say, like, take a nap, fear. You're over there. I recognize you're there, but I want, I'm going to do this now and yeah. I'll talk to you later. Well, I mean, I think as well, the reality is that so many successes and happiness comes out of the dark times as well. Like you can go through a really shitty time in your life, but you can learn an awful lot from that. Now, the trick is how you learn and how you apply later on. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm less stressed than I was. I'm less messed all over the place than I was. I still have days where I go, whoa, not feeling good today. Yeah. But yeah, I think, as you say, it's just digging a bit deeper with them. Like what's making me feel so not yeah. good today? Yeah, because it might, you know, think about you, you have a young kid, think about like how when they're upset about something, how quickly they move through it because they don't try to like fight it. And I think that that's something that like if you could just ride the waves a little bit, you know, just lean in, find out what it is and then go, okay, I'm going to sit with this for a minute. And I, I can't guarantee because I'm not a fucking therapist, but I would suspect that it will move through a lot faster. I I, yeah. I really do think that. And I think then that you'll create space for something to come in behind it. Like, that's an exciting thought to me. What comes in yeah. behind the fear or the anger or the upset when I move through it? And it's generally something better, not worse. As I look at my husband sometimes and I'm like, like, how how do you not feel bad now? Like, dear. And he's like, well, like, why would I? It's not my fault. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. Seriously. How there? How do I get there? How? Like, it's even small things. I was out for a walk with one of my best friends of the day. We're walking around the park and I was kind of in one of those kind of iffy days. And I was like, so my son has started school, as I said, and he's flying it. He's having the best time. He just rocks up in life and he's like, well, like, you want me to go in, in there to school? Super. In he goes. And I'm like, look at him. He's so confident. He's a happy, confident little, little fella. And my husband will go, well, that's a lot to do with us and how we parent him. And I'm like, yeah. no, in fairness, he's five now. It's a lot of his own personality. <laughs> My husband's like, well, I'm taking credit for it. Like, it's a lot to do with us. And I was saying this to my friend and she's like, oh, don't be stupid. Like, of course you take credit for that. But I was like, do you take credit for your kids? She was like, no. And I'm like, well, then, (laughs) God, come on. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's that weird female psyche thing as well that I'm aware of that has been a backdrop. It's a backdrop to a lot of how I think. Um, And that's a whole other Big That's why I think the journaling is going to be nice for you. And I yeah. I, I want to say this. Um, I, I first want to say I, I'm so glad that you reached out and that you wanted to share the story. And you could have easily been like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. So I, I'm so glad yeah. that you did. Um, but I, I, I feel like I'm going to want an update from you um, in like a couple months. So just let us know how it goes, because I know we're all going to want to know. But I also know that we all know you're going to do great. That's what I know. Well, it's been great to chat. As I said, it's affirming and it's probing, which is exactly where you want to be at this stage. It's exactly where I want to be at this stage. 
you can do I it. Be. Yeah, exactly. I gotta stop saying. I just gotta stop speaking about myself in the third person. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you so fun. much. This was so 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 wonderful. You have reached the well-adjusting expert of the day. Hi, I'm Julie Teague, and I'm a talent acquisition executive with over 18 years of HR experience. And I'm here today to give you some practical tips on what to do if you get laid off from your job. Number one, review and update your resume and LinkedIn profile immediately. Ensure that your most recent position is added and all of your relevant skills that you've gained in that position are highlighted. This would include skills, languages, potentially certifications. You might also feel like you need an entire resume rewrite. Make sure to check out the thousands of qualified resume writers on LinkedIn, and you can find one that really specializes in your industry and who can really highlight your background. You can also reach out to me for resume writing support, and I can definitely hook you up. Number two, networking. Oftentimes after you've been laid off, it's normal to feel a sense of shame or embarrassment. But remember, many other people are in your same shoes and many others are eager to help you. So the best thing you can do is to broadly share and communicate that you are on the market for your next gig. Reach out to previous coworkers, bosses, mentors, teachers or professors, family, friends, friends of friends, and really utilize your social networks to see who you can connect to. Remember, people can't help if they don't know that you need it. Third, schedule daily time for your job search. It really does take focused effort to land a new job. So make sure you have a structured and organized approach for your job search. Ask yourself some questions about your ideal role. What would that look like? And then give yourself weekly goals for job applications to submit or networking touch points or connects that you want to make with a headhunter or recruiter. This will help you stay motivated, focused, and really engaged in landing that perfect job. Number four, I would say find upskilling opportunities. This is a fantastic time to really strategically improve your skills. You can choose a lot of different activities that will really boost your resume while you're also making yourself feel better prepared to take on that new or next job. Now, I want to shift a little bit and also call out some frequent mistakes that folks really can make after being laid off, as these are some things you really want to avoid. Do not apply for any and every job. Take the time to really thoroughly read job descriptions and make sure that you're applying to roles that really fit your unique skill set and where you actually match the majority of the qualifications. This will make you a much stronger candidate who looks significantly more self-aware of what you bring to the table and put in the extra time into standing out during that application and interview process. An example of that would be taking the time to really craft a fantastic cover letter for a job that you really feel like is an excellent fit. That's a far better use of time than just casting a huge and wide net and applying for any and every job that you see. Second, I would say don't miss out on free resources and networking events. There are tons of industry-specific networking and meetup groups that host free job training webinars, free online training courses. Third, I would say don't be afraid to accept help. 
You don't have to feel alone and completely isolated during this process. And it's really important for your mental health that you proactively communicate and reach out to those who can really support you during this time. Sometimes that could just be just asking an old colleague to meet up for a coffee or connect via a quick Zoom chat. This can really immediately make you feel that connectivity to a previous office environment or just make you feel extra supported and motivated to continue onward in your search. I'll leave you with one last piece of advice, and it's to really invest time into the things and people who will help direct you to your passions and purpose. These are the people around you that are going to help you really embrace this next chapter and season of your life. It is okay to mourn what was, but you want to really stay positive and surround yourself with people that are going to keep helping you direct into what is. Because the opportunities are limitless, and I am truly rooting for each and every one of you. Okay, whew. thank you, Sinead, for letting us in on your process of what to do next. And also, I have to say thank you for dealing with my Irish accent, if, if we're going to call it that. And also a thank you to Julie Teague. I'm saying it right now. We are so lucky to have an HR expert on speed dial. For more Robin, and you may need that, you probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You just. Hey, y'all, I have a question for you. Have you been listening to Well Adjusting and secretly or maybe not so secretly thinking, geez, I have a problem. And I bet Robin and producer Steph might actually be able to help me make some headway. Now, if that's the case, I have to tell you, this is your sign from the universe to reach out to us about being on Well Adjusting. I'm telling you, it is a sign. Get in touch. It's so simple. Just email us at hello at editaud.io, or you can hit me up on the socials. I'm at at RealRobHops on all the platforms. And I have to tell you, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. What is it that you are waiting for? Hit us up. Let's solve the world's problems. No, okay, that, that bar is way too high. Let's, let's just have some laughs and, and get into it. We're going to all feel better for doing so, I swear. Deserve it.